This is how it's going to start. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Hey, it's, uh, this is it. You're inside of it. You're just, you cracked the, you cracked open and you got in and then you were able to seal the crack with which you came inside of. And now you're just in. Okay. This is it. This is Live to Tap, also known as Live to Tape, also known as Live to Tape, also known as the Executive Buffet, where everyone puts their hands on the branch before they go inside to show, to show fealty. Fealty, the best word of all time that no one uses anymore because it has to do with royalty. Uh, show your fealty, put your hands in the branch, hop into the executive buffet. It's on the mezzanine level of a beautiful downtown hotel designed in the, God, I don't know, late 70s. It feels modern still because they paid the guy a lot. You know, when you pay someone a lot, things last longer. So the, the design's lasting in this, this mezzanine level in the downtown hotel, and you love it. You go there, have the bacon, get the blueberry pancakes, don't get the eggs, okay? This is also Daddy's Big Red Truck, driven by owner-operator Kevin Tipcorn, Jason Pepperhouse, uh, full-on grandpa style, where grandpa's gonna, grandpa's gonna fucking go nuts, and you're gonna love it, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, if you want, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, it helps, you know, raise the waters, and we all like high waters to float in, so we can do diving. Also, if you want, there's extra stuff on patreon.com slash live to tape. That's patreon.com slash live to tape. Also, I'm doing shows again. Check out my Instagram. It's it's Johnny underscore Pemberton. Also, I'm on Twitter for what it's worth. That's just Johnny Pemberton. And I post all the stuff. I have a bunch of shows coming up in um, May and June. Um, most of mostly going to be in L.A., but I'm going to be probably in New York in the summer and maybe Austin and stuff. So just keep your eyes open, okay? Um, it's, it's coming together, I guarantee you. Great guests here. Amazing guests here in the podcast today. One of my favorite people, a repeat guest. Robbie's one of my favorite comedians and also just an absolute fucking brilliant gem of a human. Here we are. Robbie! Because you're sitting on it, basically. Sitting on it. How do you we, sound? We should start recording. I am recording. You, you know what? Me? You know what's amazing? Are you kidding me? What? You're the only legit. Do you know? Yesterday I just did a podcast. Right. Shout out to Annie Annie Letterman, who I love. I love her too. And um, it, it took you know it takes 20 minutes for the producer guys. And listen, she happens to be dating her producer, so she gives them a lot problem. of problem. Yeah, she gives them some Annie, leeway. It's a problem. But if that was my job, I would get there a half hour before, set it up. Yes. So that we're right. Because we come in hot. People like yeah. me and you, people like Annie, we're coming in hot. You got to come in hot. Because if you don't, 
Look at this tea he got me. Yeah, that is the art of tea. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. It's the Thank art of tea. Thank you. So I'm so excited for my tea. You got to come in hot because otherwise, what happens is is you you might burn something great at the beginning in the small talk because you're not thinking about what you're talking about. You're just talking exactly. about fun stuff. And, and I'll tell you, you it's not you might. You do. You, you do burn do. it. You definitely do. So you are putting yourself like you're putting yourself at this. Like you're literally giving stuff away. Yeah. And that was the whole point of the person to come on the podcast to begin with. I used to do a thing where I'd have it rolling before they walked in. Yeah. Uh, you, that's you walk ba- in. basically what this felt like. And if someone says something that like they didn't mean to say, that's okay. We just start it later. Yeah. And you see, you hear me futzing. You hear me getting I all like the tech. It. You know what you I call hear me that? getting it together. I call that ambiance. It's ambiance. Like when exactly. there's like a, if a motorcycle drove by or if someone's like yeah. spouse walks in the room and goes, what are you guys doing? Like, I love it. Yeah, because then you're you're in the room. You could feel, you could feel the jangliness of what we're doing. It's like a radio play, which I, the only reason I even know what that is was in grade eight we had a radio play project. But you had to do sound effects. Grade like eight. Somebody, yeah, you had to have somebody come into a room. Right. You had to do somebody walking. You know, the sound Fo- effects, foley. like you said. Foley. Yeah. Everybody loves a little bit of Foley, don't they? Well, do you have a neck tattoo? Is that uh, this is temporary. It's from a, I went to someone's birthday, someone's 50th birthday party last night. Oh my god! And they had it was it was honestly, I mean it, I haven't been to a, a fun party in a long time. It was like fun. It looks good on you. That's what someone was telling me. You're just it's so low key with you. You just don't know what the fuck is going on. What do you mean with the neck tattoo? Yeah, just like you could drop a neck tattoo, super subtle, Should and I just get it? kill. Like you just rock anything. Should I get a neck tattoo? No, you're not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it because no. it would be. It's such a commitment. It's, it's such a lifestyle. It's such a lifestyle. I was telling these people last night when I had it on, it was uh, two friends of mine and another guy who had also had a neck, uh, temporary neck tattoo. Yeah. And they were saying how hot it looks. Yeah. And I was saying how I shot this TV show a couple of years ago and I had to have these big, te- I had tat- two tattoos on my neck, one on my face, like on my cheek. Yeah, they saw you for you. And I had them on for a couple of days because they, they were really yeah. intense. When I was going into security to the studio... The security guard, like an older black lady, was 100% hitting on me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Just because I had the face seem, tats. You seem harder. Like, you know. You seem like fucking hard as he shit. He gives it. He gives it. He's, he's willing to do that right. to himself. What's he going to do to you? <laughs> that's What's he going to do to you? That's all it is, right? It's just a measure of commitment. Is that all it is? The neck and face tat? It, it's it's hard. It's just, it's listen, you're permanently coloring on yourself. You don't give a fuck. You don't even care about yourself. Right. So you're not going to care. You don't give a fuck about your body. You don't give a fuck. Like, this is a person who will just go through life like, they're not going to give a fuck about you. They didn't even give a fuck about them. So they want... The, they took a commitment. They don't 100% know. So it's attractive because it's like a wild card almost. It's a wild... It's like, I took a bet. I could fucking regret. You think right. I give a fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you think I, I give, give a, a fuck. fuck? I'm living for today. I'm living for today. You know, it's the same thing with motorcycles. People always, you know, right. who, who drive motorcycles. Dangerous. I never really understood, you know, because their whole thing was, you live living for today. You only right. live once, this type of thing. You know, you only live once, you know, so just fuck it. And, and my whole thing is, yeah, exactly. You only live once. So you want to try and extend your life as much as humanly possible. Yes. Like, why would I want to short? Like, if I only live once, like, I don't understand. That's how I feel. Yeah, I, don't, I just don't understand arguing it the other way well you only live once so it's i'm like yeah well exactly and you have to be precious about it shouldn't you yeah. you know i take care i have a pair of glasses right now it's bothering me that they're not in their case put them in there okay when they're outside because you know what they're i invested nice time to Wait, get are those american set. optics 
No, these are Mascot. Okay. Okay, I'm a wearing, great brand. and I wear Ollie, Oliver People, these glasses. They're okay. actually Ollie People because they're kids, and they're vintage, and they only fit me, and they're I haggled beautiful. them down. Thank you. I've I do like glasses years. a lot. Yeah, I don't, you know what, I'm the kind of person, I've had these glasses for 10 years, and you know what, I want them another 10. I don't want to think of glasses again. I'm somebody, if I buy something, it's one and done for me. I've done the research. <laughs> we fit my face. We got the prescription in. Let's just seal it. This is one less thing for me to think about forever. 100%. I'm not out here trying to find a new style. No. Trying to, 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 to is it comfortable? Well, because it's, cl it's a classic style. It's classic. When you have a classic style, there's yeah. no need to update it. Yeah, I, I try, but people need to update if they don't take care of their things. Yeah, and also people buy trash. They buy crap. Yeah. Because they don't, th they don't realize what they're getting is a piece of trash. And then it breaks or it doesn't look as good because... It's not well made. And next well thing you know. Yeah. You know, I go up, you know, I think we talk about this. Yeah. My chip uh, within three seconds of any podcast, I'll tell you how poor I grew up. Right. Okay. The chip is only getting worse. It but never gets better. That's Even how the more money I everybody have. is, though. Well, you should like, be healing. You should be. But I feel like everyone is a product of their childhood to yes. some extent. Yes, exactly. So the, the the buying well, it's interesting. My mother wasn't into consumerism. Right. Like most poor people I knew, they bought cheap. Like my mother... We were at the Salvation Army. We bought used things that, like, you know what I mean? A lot of our shit was crap, but we didn't buy new a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think I have that in me still that I would rather buy, like, you know, my car is, is vintage. It's secondhand, okay? And my car has just been terrific. I've had it for six years. It's amazing. It could go another six years if I want it because I do my oil change every three months. I enjoy the process of taking care of my things. <laughs> Today, it's the car's bath. We go for a wash. We get our right. waxed. We take care of everything I have. But you know what? Consumerism is such a machine. Oh, my I God. realized that in this country, they would rather... I was looking at used cars. You can get a used Porsche. Amazing condition, okay? What year are you talking 2010, about? 2010, something oh, like this. Oh, that's pretty new. Okay, really nice. Yeah, under 100,000 miles. 30K warranty, insurance, everything. Or you can get a new Kia that'll break in two years, but you lease it. Yeah. Same money, $30,000 car. And what I realized is they don't promote a secondary car market as definitely much. not it, the, the reputation is in fact don't buy a used car sales guys are creepy the, this like they've they've yeah. they've had a narrative that you don't recycle cars so much so that people buy cheap new cars that don't last as much yeah you know and it's just that's the same with everything not just expensive purchases like cars clothing don't buy you know, a, a handmade clothes. wool sweater that's secondhand it's disgusting you know it's mo no they, they want you to buy the Zara $30 machine-made mm -hmm. sweater that one wash is finished. Totally agree. Also, if you buy something new that's high quality, then you can just basically... I heard some interview with Lady Gaga when she was first starting up. She talked about how she bought something really expensive, like this red jacket. Yeah. And she wore it everywhere. Everywhere. It was She wore it all the time. It was like yeah. a $600 jacket. But she never... She was always wearing it, so it was like her signature look, but it was a very yeah. nice piece of clothing, so it looks good and it lasts. Nice things you can repair. Yeah, you can repair. You know, that's, you, that's a thing that is yeah. th that makes certain people lose their fucking minds. There's actually a kid who won a lawsuit against Apple recently. Oh, yeah. He's an electronic, uh, electric engineer or whatever you call that. He won a lawsuit because he found a flaw that does not allow you to repair the item, and that's considered 
Is it some sort of consumer bill of rights where you have to be able, something has to be repairable? You have to repair it. I go to the cleaners, yeah. folks. I have an old sweater that I bought for $10 that's, you know, Yves Saint Laurent or one of these brands right. that take the care back when. I will clean it. When I need to clean it, I will spend that extra $12 to get it cleaned. I invest in the things I have over time, but it took a while to trust that. I think right. you want the fast, you know, it's like, I compare it to stand-up versus TV writing. Stand-up is fast. I know that night, if I have something to talk about, I go out there that night, I get the fix. Yeah. Consumerism it's is like done. therapy almost. A script, you don't know. It's going to take you a year, two years to go through development. Right. To shape it. It's a long tweaking process. And they're just, you know, you have to trust that process. Some mm -hmm. people start freaking out. Oh, in the people process. freak out a lot. Oh, so this is happening. They came I back. Freak it's out. like, just get into the process. You're buying vintage. You're in for the long haul. <laughs> you know, this is something you're going to have to upkeep. And Man. I enjoy that. I think I feel like uh, development execs must love you. Really? I would. I would, if I was one, I would be like, Robbie, just keep talking to me. Keep yeah, telling me you stuff. You know what? We do okay. We do okay because it's the kind of thing that, like, when I first got notes, like, let's let's say the first show I worked on, and I got us to take a script home, and I mm -hmm. got notes. I was like that typical, like, okay, you're dead to me. Like that, that, that. Oh, you were you were resentful. Resentful. Like, yeah. what are you going to note this up? Creative to creative. Mm -hmm. I mean, get a life, right? Right. And then I leaned, I, I realized it was part of the process, the collaborative mm -hmm. nature of it. And I enjoyed, like, then it, it took, now I hear the notes. I still have that instinct of, okay. But I don't say almost anything. I sit on it a couple of days. And then by the end of the week, I'm calling them back. Oh, you're totally right. Yeah. It's, it's so much trimmer. It just gets to the point faster. Mm -hmm. It's fat free, you know, and I just, and now I'm at the point where I'll send my things out and go, Hey, will you fuck this up? Will you tell right. me what the hell is going on? I've been in it for too long. Something like that. So I just especially leaned in that nothing's personal. Now, if somebody came up to stand up and they were like, you should do this, this, and this. It's different. It's different because in stand up, I'm God. That is the immediate yeah, process. It's also your voice. It's not collaborative. Mm -hmm. It's it's collaborative with me and the audience, period. What about if a fellow comic said something like, take it or leave it, but you know what I think would be funny? Annoying. Annoying. It depends who. If it's you and we're friends, yeah. fine. Take I, I don't want, I, I'm annoyed just generally. If I'm doing stand up, I'm so it, autonomous. Yeah. So anyone like, interrupting that process of autonomy that if I didn't come to it or whatever, occasionally Jared Goldson gave me one tag. I can't even remember it, but he's the only person that I used it. It was great, but it's not worth the, the, the ratio of that happening right. um, is not worth it because most times it's crap. Yeah. I've done it maybe to people, maybe six times. Yeah. And it's always been, Hey, this part's really funny. How come you don't do more of this? Yeah. And and listen, many people love that. Mm -hmm. So know your process. Lean into it. Many people might love that. Their stand-up is very collaborative. It's very, right. you know. So it, it really depends. I know for me, if I've done a whole day of writing and been collaborating or whatever, and then I just go and get to be, it's just me with me, for you know, for, uh, you know, uh, sink or swim. I just, I enjoy that too. It's just yeah. a different, it's a different switch. But you're like a hardcore stand-up. Your stuff is like, I see you and it's so, your voice is so strong. Thank you. And some of the stuff you, oh God, I, I saw you recently, it was, we were in New York together. Yeah. I haven't seen you in forever. 
I was just fucking dead because some of the stuff you present, and we talk about this in the car too, about how like you presenting a certain idea is different than me presenting the same idea. Exactly. (laughs) And the way you, uh, I mean, what did you see Chris Rock's latest special? I did. Did you write for him? I feel like. No, but uh, everybody is pointing out that his abortion joke is very close to. It's very close, and it's not as. It's obviously it's a different perspective. And I, I don't think it's as funny. No, I agree. I see, I'm in a pickle now because so many people are DMing me. Like, Chris Rock t- stole Robbie Hoffman's, um, you know, abortion joke. And we were at the cellar around the same time. Oh, you my know, God. It's, it, you know, I'm not saying – I really don't think – I do think it's parallel thought. Um, but then it's, it, it's like, can I still say what I had to say? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes. mine goes yes. in such a far direction. I go so down the rabbit hole of it. Yours is also from but, a personal perspective about who you are, your identity and stuff. Yeah, which is the, and so it's interesting that so many people noted that his— Okay, I thought I was the only one. But, no, no, I've been getting like just random fans or people who have seen me running that bit since the bill came out or whatever yeah. since they were contesting it. These were just my natural thoughts about it. Um, listen— I don't know what ha- I think it's parallel thought. I, I think he was brilliant. I think yeah. his stand up is just it, it really holds up. It's it was really, really good. Um, and I don't think he needs to. And I don't think he's the type of person to. I think it's a big idea. There's a lot it's of parallel. You know, there's a totally. lot of room for parallel thought in something like abortion or for whatever. Sure. But I yeah, I agree. Mine is probably better still. Yeah. And I don't know if I should. Now I don't no, know. I think you still have to do it. No, I but what do you mean? What if, what if, what if, what if they, I can't tape that bit. I mean, I have it on tape many, many times. <sighs> well, you do, ha- you already have it on tape. Yeah. And also, I don't know, I had this thing happen about three years ago where Seinfeld, I know for sure that he uh, borrowed a tag of mine. Okay. And I don't know how that's possible. Do you think people like him have someone, they like, have help ghostwrite a little bit from time to time or no? <sighs> I don't, you know what? I don't know at that level like what's an going NDA, on. Like I would like, like 10 I, grand, do some punch up on my stuff. It's totally, uh, I don't totally think anonymous. so. You don't think I, I would rather think that they don't do that. No, I think somebody like Seinfeld is so, like that would get out. It would? I think that I would get out. I don't think it out. would. If, you, if so, if, but okay. I don't know. I don't if know Chris what they'll super you rich. Like 50 grand. I would and say, just no. on an NDA. I would never write somebody else's stand up. You wouldn't punch up, not write no. up, but like do, like do tags. I don't think I could. Because I know people who've written for like, uh, what's his name? One of the white collar, com- uh, blue collar comedy guys. Uh, Ron, Ron I ju- White. I, I know just people who've done Punch Up for Ron White and he pays you. But it's like, if you have to tour every no, year. I, I think that he's not. Act, so see, we know that Ron White does that now. That takes away from me. But for me, it doesn't because I'm thinking about, okay, this guy has to perform so much. He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, but he has this thing where he got okay. Let's say like Kevin Hart, right? You have to you tour almost every year with a new hour, right? You don't have to. You don't have to, but those guys are freaks, and they have this insatiable desire to do that. But I and think they want to do their own work. I think they're true stand-ups. Yeah. Like I, 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 don't, I don't know so. for stand-up. I just doing. Uh, I think like Seinfeld especially no, and that's why he doesn't have a ton of new material. He'll tour yeah. the same shit. So you think it was probably because I don't Cause think he he, writes he wouldn't have seen me. I don't think. I don't know. You know, it, it's harder with the Chris Rock thing because we were both at the cellar. Right. I did see. the same room as him. But I did that bit on Conan, though. I did the, the oh, bit. Oh, so maybe he saw that. Maybe, but I was a guest on. I was. But on it's the couch. also the kind of thing they might not even remember. 
That's yeah. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I don't. I don't think, I don't think these steal. are purposeful steals. Right, I agree. You know, it sucks because right now I'm like, you know, when they're talking about taping me for some, not just my own tapes, but we have tapes of this. It's like, well, I probably have to lose that, even though it's All mine. Of it? No, but it's like there's a, a lot. Yeah, no, it's at least it's a long bit, my bit, and his is quick, right? Yeah, his is pretty quick. It's pretty quick, so I'd have to maybe acknowledge or say something. You would, but then that that throws it away. I don't know. No, but I I I could save anything. Well, I still do. Like, let's say I did it after. Let's say I said, you know, I give whatever the the punchline, and then I go, and if you're gonna tell me that Chris Rock had that. You better think again because this is like that song by third, you know, Hurt, Johnny Cash Hurt. Yeah. It's not by Johnny Cash. It's by Third Eyed Blind or something like that. Nine Inch Nails. Nine Inch Nails. Okay. Mm -hmm. This is one of those cases. Okay. I'll tell you who borrowed from who. Okay. And you're going to silence women. You're going to, you're going to silence women in my fucking thing. (laughs) You know, I could turn it around and make it really funny. It's a woman making a joke about abortion and it's the guy, because he even prefaces, he says like, I know I have. It says something about like you know I'm a man talking about abortion. You're not supposed to, but this. But he he does yeah, say that. Yeah, and so maybe maybe he bought it and thought, well, it's better if she, you know. But yeah. maybe he didn't. And I like to think, I don't know. I I don't think those guys do that. I I, I don't. Yeah, think I don't they think would they do because yeah. they're so creative. Yeah, and they, and they're also so deeply into stand up. You know, right. I think I side on the side, you know, I'm more on their side with stand up shouldn't be censored and say what you want. It should be honest right. work and come from you. And I think there, uh, Jerry Seinfeld in particular is very about his work. And that's why he doesn't have a ton of material. He's meticulously gone through it. Right. Um, not to say that ideas couldn't have naturally been borrowed or well, something he it's, heard. It's or, one or tag. It's just the tag of the joke. It's not the yeah. joke itself. It but be. the tag is so specific. Yeah, mine is so specific too right. that it makes you go crazy. But you know what? It's okay. Parallel thought right. can happen so specifically. We we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Um. So you know, it sucks. But I'll find something. If I if I need to save it, I think I'll find something. It's not as good, but it's honest still, and all of that stuff. You know, it's my mother always quoted this Bible verse. Um, and I think that. Jerry, to some extent, you know, just because I was a bigger... This is a great sentence, by the way. I I think, you know, it's like, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Which is which is something that we I don't think I would ever say yes to 50K to punch somebody up because I don't think. I don't think losing my soul is something I could sleep with. You know what? And I don't soul, really. Yeah, I think I think because it's not it's not. And I try to be worse. Like, here, here's what I'm saying. I had a very horrible situation where um, an ex took an idea of mine, pa pa pa. Very, very Stand brutal. Stand up or something else. Something else, okay? Mm-hmm. Very, very brutal, okay? And I was finding it really difficult to deal with. And I was talking to my therapist, which is... I'm in such a class now. Okay, grow up, guys. What do you mean? What, okay. what was that oh, about? Forgetting therapy is nice. Oh, um, well, therapy is... That's yeah. standard. And I was saying... You know, well, you know what? People win that way, lying and cheating. Yeah. People do, Mm -hmm. you know, and here I'm doing it the honest way, you know, and I'm putting my work forward and and going, you know, slow and steady wins the race. But people do lie and cheat and steal to to get there. So I'm like conflicted with like, you know what, especially in this business, that seems to be the number one thing to work. So I'm trying to steal more. 
I said we were at uh, the Whole Foods, okay, which right. is owned by Amazon. So if are you stealing? You're not stealing. People who steal from big corporations. So I st- I politically believe it's not stealing because they don't they're stealing, you know. But even so, it's difficult for me to do the thing of I know in my head is stealing. So I tried to take a bushel of wood, okay, because right. I figure wood it's God's wood. You mean like take it, take it, or like pay? For uh, pay a, a smaller price for it by ringing it up as a no, I don't ring up. I go through the thing okay. and then after I'm like, I'm just gonna take one thing for the fireplace, right? a bushel of wood. This okay, is <laughs> this is this bushel of wood is not Amazon's, right? Okay, it's God's, it's wood. God's wood. Why right. do they get to make? Okay, they're not paying the people who cut it properly. I know that. Okay, we don't know that. Well, we know that with Amazon's right. leaks and everything. Well, okay. no one's being paid properly. Nobody's being paid. Okay, they're stealing people basically. Yeah, right. Um, labor. I just did a show so, for Amazon, so it happened. Listen, I, I and by the way, I can separate the art. Listen, they have another division that makes television. They do. It's excellent. They totally do. So what do you want? They put transparent on. I love the show. Right. You know, Fleabag. I mean, it's on and on with what I've watched on. Absolutely. That. Okay, and in fact, I buy my Bachelor episodes on Amazon Prime because no commercial. Oh. So I enjoy that. Okay, because The Bachelor, they're on and on with the recaps. It's so, too long. It's too long. And I tried to steal it, and I did steal it. I went on, but you know what? The <laughs> whole process of it, yeah. of it being in the car, me thinking I had somebody on my back. Yeah. Uh-huh. Me thinking, were the cameras there? Will I ever be able to go back to the Whole Foods? They have yeah. a specific Asian mixed snack that I love there. Like, can I even, what if I come there? And the, and I, I was telling my therapist, and I said, I can't sleep even, like, I can, you know what? It's not good for me mm-hmm. to do that. I respect people who can do that. And I realize it's a different type of living. It definitely but is. But you know what? It's just, it's not who, it's not the way that I do things. So right. I do feel like, you know, in an old school traditional sense, Seinfeld has, you know, like I feel like Scribbles. I relate to an older generation in that way. Maybe. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I totally see what you're saying. That, that makes me think about a lot of stuff because there's the idea where, I remember when I first started giving uh, money to homeless people, like just doing it without a thought. I did it yeah. for my dad one time, and he's like, "What are you? Why are you doing that?" Uh, and my my argument is always, "Well, this person is they're begging on the streets." Yeah. Um. Sure. Like I could do that. I don't want to do that though. But yeah. I could if if you want to do that thing. I don't think they want to do that. They don't want to do it. So let's just say worst case scenario, someone who's begging on the streets is pulling down a lot of money and they're spending it all on booze and drugs and right let's just say that's the case well that's that's for them to do yeah and exactly not, and if they want to do that that's fine and i'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and give them some cash yeah and i don't think about it at all me, that's they're the ones who are cheating yeah exactly. i'm not the one and exactly so the idea where you have to insert yourself in a situation and be like oh i have to think about this person's morality doesn't make any sense to me no because like it's uh, to quote another Bible verse. I always think about that a whole um, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Okay, explain that one. It's the idea that where we're not as humans, we're not here to uh, to exact revenge or to get to pay people back for their misdeeds because when someone dies, they'll be judged by God, and that's that's the person who does the judging is God, not not people. Yeah, I agree. It's really that's a good one too. I don't know if that's in the Old Testament, so maybe it's we missed it. Be. It feels it's so Old be. Testament. It's got, yeah, it does. Vengeance, vengeance is, is, the is, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Saith, saith, saith. saith, saith feels very old, wild. old tea. 
Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And also that seems, no, that seems New Testament. It does? Why? Because it's got the vengeance aspect of it. Well, like, why is the Lord so, like, I don't know. I'm going to look it up. I'm going to break protocol and look it up. No, we're not no? breaking okay. protocol. Yeah, I can't, look it guess up. What? Somebody in the comments. Lord couldn't find my phone. No, Lord. So well, listen, go. it's in both the test. Both testaments have. Either it. way, it, the idea is that you know, it's not. It's not a your job to fucking to teach somebody. Yeah. It's like someone cuts exactly. you off. Exactly. But I, I have the tendency to want to do it all the fucking time. That's why I have to no, tell myself, I know. Like, you know, it's not for me. It's not for me to fucking teach this Yahoo. But you know what? Something. There's there's everything in balance. Sometimes you do have to teach, and sometimes you're gonna you're gonna apply that. Yeah, everything's in balance. Sometimes I'm gonna I have to get a look at whoever does something. To, like if you're on the road, it's well, different getting rules. a look is different. Okay, on the road, your road rules are not life rules. <laughs> now we're in a different. Yeah. Now we're in a different like 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 reality. You know, it, it's a whole. When you're on the road, many things you do off the road don't apply. You know what I True. mean? So yeah, road rules. Road road. That rules? T is so steep, by the way. It is so steep. No, I know I steep extra because Are you, you know what? Because let me tell you about the tea. I used to have a coffee in the morning, a coffee in the afternoon, but I've replaced my afternoon coffee with the tea. Okay, what was your afternoon coffee? Drip or espresso? Yeah, always drip or something. Okay. I, I do a light coffee in the morning and one, you know, around noon, one right. o'clock, which is this time. Okay. So replacing it, I never feel like the caffeine was the same. So I want to make sure I get the most out oh, of so my you green have a, tea bag. A nice, heavily steep. You want to get those Heavy, GABA. Yeah, yeah. Get and that I do theanine. find that the tea has really changed my afternoon. I don't get a crash. It's such How a long subtle. Have you been doing this? Maybe two years. Man, I should switch back. I used to be such a teaman. Mm. Hardcore teaman. What do you do now? I always do tea in the morning, black tea, like okay. strong yeah, black yeah, tea. Yeah. And a lot of it, like like fucking 20 ounces okay, of it. Okay, that's crazy. Okay. But it's so good. It's so good, yeah. And sometimes you get tea high. I'll get straight up high. Okay. If you drink it fast enough. Yeah, you've got to be careful. I'm worried sick about you. Why? Uh, I don't know. I don't want you to get a heart attack. Oh, I'm a fucking, I'm a fucking steel. I'm made of iron. Well, I'm a brick. It's true. You might be. I'm small. I don't weigh a lot. Yeah. We're going to 120, me and you. You're 120? No, we're going to, we're going to live to 120. I might, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I, I, have, I do really f- honestly feel that whole thing where you're not going to go until you're, until you're done doing your stuff, mm-hmm. which is such like a, what do you call it? Fate, not phase it fatalistic. It's not fatalistic. It's like fate. Yeah. I don't know. I think there's some people that do that. I don't, I can't make sense of, fucking anything you know i was watching did you watch that series surviving death i don't know what that is netflix for the first time did like a clinical look into afterlife stuff near-death experiences yeah reincarnation i mean you know they they have neurologists on it they have scientists on it for the first time they said listen we have an anything in science when you have enough examples of a thing right science would demand us to collect those examples you know analyze them data mine and find patterns and you know there could be even if anecdotal even if just stories somebody said this happened to me this happened yeah. to me if you have enough of those science the scientific method would say let's aggregate that let's data mine let's figure out if there's anything to this What's there's the so much we don't know yeah yeah so there's so much consistency with a lot of these things so they for the first time had like real you know, doctors who say things, we, listen, we, there's certain things we know, there's certain things we don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, can I conclusively? No, but can I show you what we found? Ambiance music. What somebody, was that? Was that a somebody car? flushed? I think it was a toilet flush. I think it was like a, a loud car starting. Wow. Wow. 
man, I had a near death experience and just now. Yeah, and the whole the whole takeaway from the show was, you know, people are reincarnated, people people have the weirdest thing being reunited with their sons and dreams and stuff yeah. like that, you know, very vivid, you know, not where they didn't have vivid dreams before or something, you right. know, something physiologically changed in them after a loss. And the big thing was this world is fleeting. There's so much we don't know. There's so much There's bigger so around. There's so much we don't There's know. There's so much we don't know. And it's important to just like get your values straight when you can. Realize what your priorities are. You know, mm-hmm. no family and, you know, get to that. Like forget, mater- you know, forget the silliness and just get into what matters because this world ends and, you know, and that's that. That's all we know. And my big takeaway was, if we know for sure the material world ends, let me enjoy the material while I can. Like if I have forever with my late grandfather who I miss, great, Zadie, I'll see you there. Okay, but let me have a Porsche while I can. Totally. Let me fucking, let me enjoy the things. I like things. I like tactile, I like to touch. I like that feeling of, right. of physicality. So let me enjoy that while I have it. Like I almost had the worst I had like the reverse of what you were supposed to feel from that show, and I got like more materialistic. I'm like, well, I guess, but it's all to me. That's the same thing. It's you're valuing, you're you're not becoming more materialistic. You're valuing your time by populating it with things that make you make you feel good, make you happy, which is like yeah. Um, the best quote I ever heard was a friend of mine in college, Dave. He he bought a drum set with a credit card, and I asked Dave, "Why'd you do that?" He's like. Well, the future me wanted the now me to have a drum set. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the best example I've ever heard of, of spending a bunch of money. Yeah. It's just, well, the future you who's going to be paying for this really thinks that the you right yeah. now needs to have a fucking $500 drum set. That's great. Yeah. But that also makes me think about the, um, like that, all that. I saw some YouTube video about this guy who used to be on Top Gear. He was one of the presenters on Top Gear. I can't remember his name. But he... Have you ever seen this stuff about the people being in comas and how time works? No, them? but comas is like, yeah, there's a lot of fucked up things. It but is. go on. I'm curious. This guy was in a coma. The video, he's on the side of a hill in, in some someplace in the UK. And this is where he kept going as when he was in his coma. And he um, he was in there for a long time. I'm, I'm getting the details wrong. But the, the basic thing is his wife... They're, they're about to turn off the machines or some shit because he just wasn't responding. Ugh. And his wife comes to him and like says, talks to him very directly, very loudly, talking to him like, you know, saying, you have, you have to come back now. It's time to come back. Something like that. And he, and he like woke up like in the next few hours and he was in this, uh, some, some of the effect where he was in this time was, there was, he was living Another a whole other life inside the coma that he was somewhat sim, sim, somewhat aware, and he, he wouldn't have left it unless he heard that direction from mm-hmm. his wife. It basically just like it's a very like concrete example, and this is one of hundreds and hundreds of examples of this of people existing in a parallel universe mm-hmm. while they are unconscious, and yeah. how that kind of thing. I mean, that shit to me is so freaky it's so freaky and i believe it too like you know there was there was a story i saw of a young kid maybe he was 21 or something and he had a terminal like if something happened to his heart again he'd be dead it, w- it would be dead and he's had it a couple times and the, each time that he's had it 
it's been such a warm and glowy experience Ooh. that he was there is a pull there it, there's something that makes you feel okay because you're con- you you just I don't know if anything disappears or things change or whatever because where does something go it's like if garbage on this planet goes to mars then where does like if it disintegrates what does it disintegrate into like is that going anywhere like uh, there's those ideas but he was talking to his sister who was just so like there was nothing they could do this thing will happen again Mm -hmm. and he was like i'm so okay like i feel better there he's like i can't describe it to you because you haven't experienced it. you haven't experienced but it fills my soul and he was just like wanting to get back there. He almost like didn't want to be here, wow. even though he was healthy, great, you know, hot, normal kid. Like with hot. A, yeah, like just like could be a like a like a football player or okay. some type of kid like yeah. this. Like not not like a you know, what like I mean a withered is like not like frail. a bullied, not somebody who has any wish to die. Mm-hmm. But he was so profoundly changed by his time up there that he just knew that's where he needs to live. He's like, you'll never understand this. He was talking with his sister on the dock and he was like, I, it doesn't mean I don't love you. I just like, no, I have to live there. Sounds like Ender's game a bit too. Yeah. It's really wild. And he felt this like, you know, and endorphins do lock in when you're going to die that you feel okay. Mm -hmm. It's like my, my stepmom died very suddenly. She was diagnosed with a, a terrible, you know, stage four liver cancer. And it was masked by the fact that she was on a a severe medication for occasional back sciaticas. Mm -hmm. So she didn't feel all the signs. Either way, it would have been terminal liver cancer. I don't believe is, it's very, very uh, rare to survive. I think it's very low, but she found out so late that she was especially, it was, you know, expedited her, you know, and she was given six months to live. And she actually died in 28 days. Whoa, that's fast. Really fast. And they, when her um, her nurses, uh, what's it called? Her um, caregiver, hospice? Yeah, her hospice nurses. Um, you know, she was getting down to a day where it was recorded she would eat like half an avocado. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, my dad or my siblings would be like, you got to eat more, you got to eat more. And, and the nurse was like, no, she's not hungry. That's actually all she needs. She's satisfied. Yeah. Everything is shutting down slowly. She's not hungry. She's not in pain. Half an avocado is a great meal. That she, she was satisfied from that. You don't have to push it. She's okay. We got to get okay now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it always was like the other this people. W- it's not the person. Yeah. It's and the like she's full. She feels this is good and she's tired and she does want to sleep. You know, she doesn't want to get up. Like it's, and it's, she's entering a more peaceful and they could to the minute let us know when she was taking her last breath. I had missed it. Jesus. One of the regrets of my life was I was working in Montreal and I didn't have the money to take the flight to LA to see her, but I thought she had six months and she did pass. Yeah. And I forgive my younger self then because I'm like, you know, for money, I was so dis, I was so traumatized by money yeah. that, t- that using $700 on a ticket and taking, you know, like a week off of work was in, it was unless she was dying I w- and she did die. Yeah. But it's like, some of my siblings went, some of us couldn't, and it just, it makes me sick. But, you know, I made the decision. 
you know, at 20 or 21, the best decision that I could. That's hard. That's hard. That's a hard thing to do because you're yeah. so young. I mean, yeah. I would have done the same thing because it's just that at that time, the money feels so. It feels so much. And I thought I want to take a trip when she dies. Like if I take a trip now, then I can't be there. You know, if I spend all my money oh, right, on this right, trip right. when she's got six months, then I'll have to go again in six months and I won't have the money to do that. There should be a fund, like a thing where wealthy comics, like 20 of the most wealthy comics have a, f- have a plane ticket fund. Well, you know, that would be, util- you know, then I be then abused. I start to get conservative and I go, yeah. oh, believe me, have I seen some GoFundMes that didn't need to happen? Okay, I don't mean like GoFundMe. Okay. I mean like a thing where it's like, like I would, if anyone, if anyone asked me for money for a plane ticket, I would give it to them. Yes. Like if some same. some twenty five year olds or something comic is like, can I tell you what just no happened would, to no me? No one would ask though. Because can would, I tell you what just happened to me? You can. What I cut you off. And well, that's I'm just what saying I that I would I would give anyone that money, but I feel like no one would ask because it's like embarrassing to ask. Like, can I have money for this? When right. Really I would but give you're it around like, circles no where it's more embarrassing because everybody is very oat. What's I what know. Oat. Oh, like, you know, everybody is kind of high end and they don't talk oh, about oh, money. Oh, like AU, like yeah. old couture. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was in this experience where a, a younger comic than me recently just asked me for $80. 80 bucks. So, yeah. Text me. This is, this is a person a who does so fucking well, mm-hmm. incredibly funny, performs every single night, you know, um, but between rent and the city, you know, New York and everything and only does stand up and, and you have to commit to that at the level that this person's about to mm-hmm. break. And yeah, they come from a certain era where they're not afraid, you know, they're like, Hey, no worries if not, but can you give me 80 bucks? Right. So that's one of the first times that's happened to me where I get something like that. Now <sighs> I go, yeah, this is, a, a, and I'll have it back by Monday. You said that they said that, or you said they that? said that. Okay. You know, very, very nicely asked. Like, That's hey, pretty I know this is awkward, but you have eighty. I, I got to do this trip. Also, eighty They're is not very paying. specific. Yeah, because they needed the uh, a train ticket to the to the venue. Right. You know, it was maybe a state or two over. They were going to take the train. That the the event's going to pay them, but not for their way there. This is a classic. Okay. Classic story. So I give it, I give the eighty, and I specified, which I feel bad about now. I go, but it's a loan because I'm still not. I'm like, I don't trust. I don't know. We're not that, you know, like, yeah. like I don't, you know, trust these dudes and this thing. Is this somebody who gets money all this, who, who does this all the time? I had too much judgment going in. So I go, yeah. I said, sent you the money. I sent it without, as soon as it was asked. Right. Venmoed it. And I go, I'll see it back Monday. Kill the gig. Okay. And I feel bad I said that. I go, I probably, listen, if I don't see the money, I don't see the money. They yeah. made an $80 lifelong, you know, yeah. issue. Okay. And you know what? They need it. And it's fine. Okay. Come Monday, I didn't have to think about it. I, I opened, I woke up. I saw the Venmo back. Damn. The $80. So then I right away sent it back. Oh. And I called them and I said, you know what? You're restoring my trust in men and humanity. Uh, your word means the world to me. Mm-hmm. Now it's a gift. This is the 80. And he's like, you don't have to do that. I'm like, no, now it's a gift mm-hmm. because I appreciate the lesson of restoring my humanity that your word meant your word. Right. That means so much to me. Um, and, and just that they paid me back. I was like, okay. Uh, you know. So it was just nice. It hasn't happened to me. Yeah. That's cra- it never happens. Yeah. 
I anytime I've ever given, well, a lot of times I've ever given money, it's been like through a, a thing. You know, it's like, oh, give money because this is a, the GoFundMe no, thing or something like that. But this is a person who, who, who lives by his word, who lives, who's honest, the listen, not, not embarrassed. I need, I need this cash. You see my life. You see my life. Yeah. Works hard. You know, we're under, you know, until you break something through, you're underpaid. Even and even then, yeah, even then you're underpaid. Yeah. Even there's a lot of people who are famous who are like, yeah, I'm not I'm not making that much money. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing how like I was just thinking about that last night because I had some stuff happen with my you know, career stuff where like, you know, not the like, sort of negative stuff. I'm thinking about like, man. There's just the amount of snakes in it's the business. Crazy. That's what I, it's it worries it's absolutely me. insane. The amount of people who are like it truly is an industry, and it truly is run by people who are. What's the brightest object in the room? And they're just looking at that. And if you're not the brightest object in the room, there really is no that there's no value in altruism in terms of helping or any any right. whatsoever. But there still None. is. We're just quieter. Quieter, but it's like a thing where. I don't know if it pays off. It doesn't, it doesn't pay. Yeah. I, I struggle with like, what does it pay to be virtuous? Like, okay, so you were virtuous and then you die. Right. And so you lived your life. It was more miserable. You know, you didn't get as much as you, like, I don't know. I struggle, but, but at the end of the day, I realize it's not my choice. We are who we are. Yeah. And I can't, stealing that bushel took so much anxiety. <laughs> no, that like, I can't steal. Yeah. Like, I, I find it difficult to do so. And it's actually not worth my mental health to become that type of person because I find it difficult. So I just realized, you know what? We don't get to choose what type of person we are. It's like that story. What is it? The Diary of the Red Shoes or something? What's that? It's that old story. I think it's a musical. It's about a composer who steals from a younger composer. And the whole like the whole moral is sort of like, um, yeah, that's terrible that they stole. But think about how sad it is that they are having to steal. Like that's that's sad. That yeah, they're but is to it sad? Well, some people don't feel it sad. Some people are fine stealing. But to be to think of it as being sad, that's like a very um, that's a very high-minded. Uh, that's a very virtuous person that virtuous, you get to say but that I, that's sad. I, I suppose it's virtuous, but I think it's also. I mean, virtue has like a to me has like a negative connotation sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think about more of being. Uh, uh, coming from a place of, of an enlightened mind as opposed to... Because virtuous feels kind of like... Well, now we have virtue signaling. Yeah. And we have performative virtuism. But and if you have, like, if you come from like an enlightened place, you're yeah. thinking about everything. Like when someone stole my bike, it could not have been more upset because it's like no, it's one terrible. of the things I love more than anything. Yeah. And I was so... Because it was stolen from my fucking front porch in Studio City, like in a hidden Ugh, behind a disgusting. bush. Disgusting. And so someone someone came up to my house and took and this thing. It's very violating. And I'm also thinking, but one of my old friends was like, well, they must have really fucking needed that bike. And maybe no. maybe they did need the bike. But either way, the fact that they... Ask me. You'd be surprised. If you ask, if you need a bike... Yes. By the way, if you, if you need a bike, talk to me. Let's figure something out. We'll help some me bikes. help you. We'll get some bikes. I'll too. get a bike. I will totally get a I'll bike. I'll steal somebody else's bike for you. How's that? How's that? <laughs> we'll, go, we'll go take somebody else's bike. With thieves for thieves. Just not going to take Johnny's bike. Yeah, I don't take my bike, but I was. Uh, it took me forever to like to get over it because oh, I yeah. was just so pissed. But at the same time, I had to just keep telling myself, well, you know, whoever did this is in, not in a good place. Even if it was, they're probably not stealing it to use it. They're probably stealing it to sell it or to chop it. Well, whatever because the fuck. like we we don't steal. Yeah. So we're very uncut. Like it makes me extremely uncomfortable. Then when it happens to us, it's extremely violent because we can't imagine doing it. 
But it's like the same ex who stole an idea mm-hmm. for me is the same ex who always accused me of cheating. Was like when I would go away to New York that for a week, sense, when though. I would go to New York for three months or whatever, was like checking in on my friends to make sure I was at the shows I was Ooh, saying I was at. Like bad. really cryptic, was very paranoid about cheating, even though never cheated. Always would like, I'm like, I'm not, I would be so honest. I'd be like, I'm not cheating. If I tell you I'm at this show, you don't need to call my friends. Mm-hmm. You better believe I'm where I tell you I am. But this person has cheated yeah, in so previous relationships. So they think everybody is operating as they are. So it's yeah. not really, they think if the, and, and they're not cheating on me for the first time because I don't care. I'm not hyper vigilant about that stuff. I'm just trusting we're together. And, and, and that's that. And if a problem arises, we'll cross the bridge. But, but if I tell you I'm with you, I'm with you. Yeah. And if I don't want to be with you, you'll know that, you know, but this is a person who's always cheated. Right. And so brought that into our relationship where, you know, they've been cheated on, they've cheated, you know, they just live in that world where it's so normalized to them mm-hmm. that. They're they projected onto yeah, the thing. They, so, so people it, project, uh, however, however they experience the world, they project so it onto their steal, world. So when they steal, when they do cheat, when they steal your bike, they've normalized that behavior that it's like, well, you're probably doing it, even though you're not. And you don't, you, you're so allergic to it yeah. that, you know what I mean? That you wouldn't even, you know, avenge, do, you wouldn't steal something to make it right. Like well, you just have to sit with being stolen. They're the same as they're stealing the bike from the house. Cause like, Oh, this person has that. This person's rich. They have a yeah. house. They have a house here. They don't, who gives a fuck? Fuck them. Yeah. Same way. Uh, stealing some wood from Amazon. Yeah. That's what I was trying yeah. to do to try and feel that feeling. Cause I'm like, what's, what's it to pay to be virtuous and honest all the time when my ideas sometimes are stolen and then I have to figure out a way around, you know, or I have to figure out a solution for something that happened to me. You know, it's like, I don't want to have to figure out a solution and they're just running free and enjoying. So I want some of that carefree, I but love they're not carefree. I that's what okay, I, just, so do I you dispute th- that. I but, think it's but they're not like polling. me who thinks that like the Amazon cops are on their back. You think they're thinking somebody's on their back? They're um, to some extent, yeah, because they're what it is is people who are always doing things like that that they they know are not not are not supposed to do that. Even the even if they're not paranoid, they're like their their state, their resting state. There's like a different level of anxiety. That's. that's I don't know if they have it. I think if they I don't, think we they're want a sociopath. Them, yeah, we want them to have it. Yeah. Because we feel it. But they do it so regularly that they must be, feel comfortable in that space. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're like squirming in that place. We but that's why there's people called criminals. And that's why criminals are like. I mean, this all goes yeah. back to the idea of where back you used to have a reputation. Right. And if you had if you had a reputation, you wanted to keep your reputation because if when it gets sullied, it's very hard to clean it up because mm-hmm. if you if you oh you went to prison, well, you must have done something wrong. Yeah. And so you have to like keep this shiny reputation. Obviously there's all kinds of implications in terms of of how the justice system works yeah. with certain people. <laughs> yeah, well exactly. <laughs> that's like well, that's a whole yeah. separate thing. But the idea of where like you I think I always think about an episode of Forensic Files where this person got away with murder and they, they didn't get caught until 20 years later. But they were in shambles. Oh, they were? They were like an, a terrible alcoholic, like living okay. like the worst life because, yeah, sure, you got away with it. And you were sure you got away with it because after a certain time, after like five years, you're not, you know. You're I not, think you some people that's the case. And I think 
a growing number of people, they've normalized it and in some cases convinced themselves they're either in the right or that it's fine for, like, that it's yeah. the, actually their idea. Or, like, you know what I mean? They've told themselves stories. And we do have studies on memory and stuff like that. But oh, if memory you're, if is you're, so fungible. If you're, so. Yeah, if you're told something, or even, and, and I mean not even told by other people, but if you tell yourself something it becomes over real. and over, it does become real. So maybe you don't live with that level of paranoia or whatever about, right, you right. know, that would destroy you. You've just now convinced yourself an idea you took, which is the case, you know, that I've, I've dealt with is yours so you you don't even feel a wrongdoing you in fact feel yeah. it feels offensive to you that if somebody would, brings up uh, the idea that oh you you took this idea how dare you and so now you the person whose idea was originally feels like you know what they what we have to convince ourselves maybe it was parallel maybe it was this right. we start to feel so crazy so it's just i think there's there's room for all of those there's people who who live you know who work themselves into a tizzy field. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, a growing number of people that I've encountered, especially in our, in our who, who, I don't know. It seems to me they're living okay. But like, like you said, I don't I know what's happening though. behind. It right. seems. Right. That's what they always talk about in, there's lots of Buddhist teachings that talk about that. Like the idea really? that you think someone is this way when they're actually, well, the, the idea of even comparing it in the first place is just, it doesn't, it's not good for you. It's a, it's a uh, yeah. It causes it causes. I don't know all the words, the correct terminology of what the, what the, the Buddhist teachings say, but it's that idea that, like, for you to think that you're like uh, better off or something like that is is just a, that right there is not a good path. It, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to get like, oh, I'm better off because I'm being virtual. I'm doing this. It's like, yeah. Well, they seem fine. And they seem better off to them. That's the way that they live their lives, and it seems. Yeah. It, it seems to function night and even better it seems to excel it seems to thrive i read something recently they're talking about i think it was like kurt vonnegut and some other writer they're at some super rich person's uh, donor's house they just couldn't believe how how wealthy they were you know and they were saying something i think i don't know if it was kurt vonnegut or the other writer said something about the difference between us and and this person is that we know what is enough yeah i think that's a lot of people that a lot of people who have like who are just super driven to accumulate and to amass right. stuff for them they just don't have that sense and in a way it's like it's the same as anything we we're talking about like i kind of you kind of have to maybe not feel bad for them but also just real just realize oh this is a different person they don't have they don't have a different they have a different sense than i do in terms of well for them it's a, you know and there's two i wouldn't even link them i think it's too generalized to say this person, uh, both rich people are the same. Right. Uh, you know, I think that they're different, unique circumstances. It's the same like when somebody asks me, well, what's the difference of a trans person and a cis person? And I go, even two cis women are different. Everyone's You know, different. like yeah. everybody. So it's like, wh at what point are you asking me that question? When I look at the two rich people, I see somebody like an Elon Musk. Yeah. Who's, to me, sociopathic, even though I don't have the cre I have no credentials to say something. anything. Okay? He's kind of spectrumy. But he grew up. He grew up rich, mm -hmm. and in and wealth seems to be a game to him, like a video game or something where you collect points in the in the corner or whatever. Okay, but then I look at somebody like Ellen, who grew up Ellen hungry. The comedian. Yeah, Ellen. Yeah. You know who seems insatiable, and I relate to that because I go, if you're coming from a place where you didn't have, mm -hmm. nothing feels like enough. 
yeah. and it's a very s- slippery stuff. People go, can Ellen just stop? Why did she do? Why did she just not stop the show at the height of it? Why did she get carried away? Why did she do these game shows? All this is like, she doesn't feel like she has enough. Yeah. Which even with everything she has, it's a trauma from growing up. Hundred percent. You know, without enough. So there's that rich person that I'm like, oh my God, you know, I got to be careful because I can relate. And there's the other rich person, which I can't relate, which I can't figure out, which I'm like, oh, it must be like they were born in this video game. Yeah. Their fathers, their parents, like heightened this video that, 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 you know, fed them the values of like, the more you have, the better. And they wanted, you know, so they, they got into this other race. But to me, those rich people are different and the same. For different reasons. Yeah, I totally. It makes total sense that idea of, yeah, where this per, the person's operating from a, from an like we talked about at the very beginning, like the idea your childhood is, affects you so much so downstream much. that you can almost can't even, even if you st- step back and look at it with like amazing lens of psychi- psychiatric drugs yeah. or something like that, you still, it almost sometimes it makes me think that uh, that certain people are just they're. You're just kind of who you are, and that's your incarnation. Yeah. You know that guy, David Goggins? You ever read him? Wait, I've heard of him. He's that uh, Marine. He was like a Navy SEAL. Just you, yeah. Most, he's still alive. He's the most hardcore motherfucker ever. He has this great book called Can't Hurt Me. And he, he details he was terribly abused as a child, just yeah. like his dad abused him. But it was all hidden because, you know, f- uh, public facing his dad was like the just the the nicest best guy everyone loved yeah. him and stuff but behind the scenes was, no one was sleeping you terribly abused right yeah. and this guy goes on to do these crazy physical feats he manages to overcome all this stuff just a, a crazy amazing story it's a such a great book but the thing is he always denies it but i really think he, this man is a buddha he is 100 percent a buddhist and he talks about like healing himself through doing all these like stretches and stuff like you're doing fucking yoga bro but he talks about how he learned it from some uh stretching guy in the navy seals but he's really doing like four or five hours of stretching that's like a deep super deep yeah yoga and like the truest sense of it like thousand year old practice the idea of doing that and sitting with yourself he talks about how through all through all the stuff he's done he had to sit with him he was dying he was basically killing himself because he he hated himself so much because he couldn't, he couldn't come to um, all the physical feats he was doing was trying to mask how he felt about himself, which we didn't. He didn't like love himself basically, and he came to love himself, but it's like this grunt talking about it. And you think about everything he does. When I after I finished the book, it's like everything is goes back to the same thing. Everything goes back to the fact that his dad abused him. Yeah, and so he abuses his own body as his form of love by like doing these crazy things where he almost dies doing a 150 mile race in the, in the fucking summer, like this kind of yeah. thing where everything goes back to the same thing where you're treating yourself, you're treating yourself. Love becomes the thing that you experienced initially. And I don't know, like this guy couldn't, couldn't break out of it. And he's done. I mean, he has broken out of it, but at the same time, everything he does still mirrors in some extent, it's like an echo of that initial trauma. Yeah, I, I, I think it's just the human condition is, you know, I used to be somebody like before I went through like this breakup where I had to get away from that person or whatever, it opened up someone. I used to say, well, my childhood was my childhood. 
I was one of those people just look forward. Stop. Okay. So stop complaining about the past. You're living in the past. You're living in the past. And then as I was broke open from this, you know, relationship falling apart for the, you know, the right reasons, I was still left with myself. And I, I, I reached another depth where I go, now I'm that person who's like, well, because when I was a kid, I couldn't do that. Like everything you tell me, I go, well, because I was a kid, I can see it exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a solution, but I know more why I am the way I am because of my childhood. I think the initial foundation is way more important than we. Oh, my God. You know, it's, crazy. It, it's, it's, it's like it, it really is the human condition. It's a cycle. It's like how we were. Is, you know how we are is because of how we were treated it's how we will treat the next generation it's like yeah. it's just that's a human part of you know that's one aspect of the human condition um you know and it's like we can't uh, i don't know there's not always solutions there's ways of managing it you know it's like i i tell my little sister you know i don't have my father in my life we my my parents divorced when i was very very young and my father was abusive and but he was such an incredible guy when you take his really? abuse. Yeah, he was really funny and charming and, you know, which is... which mean, is like physically abusive or mentally or both? He was physically abusive to my mother, but not to the kids, which right. I now know is, you know, is a form of manipulation. I'm like, he never hit us. But, I mean, he did by hitting my mother. Yeah. But, you know, he... There's still nuance in that. You know, he's still funny. He's still... I'm more like, you know, I have more charismatic qualities of my father not like my mother who's like a very sweet canadian and then we have the room in ourselves that's just us that's that weird mix of them plus a new magical ingredient that is you and you try and highlight that the most possible um but i forget what i was saying with this about how after your breakup how you sort of yeah uh, so my oh yeah so you just learn to manage your life experience so i was telling my little sister you know people go like get over your father you know and i and i you know i would always say i'm over it like he was never you know we i didn't grow up with him for the most part i had some years with him in the beginning and then you know and now i realize we don't have to get over everything nothing finishes it's like being a diabetic 100 if you're a diabetic you, you manage your insulin levels. You do what you need to do daily. You check your levels. You take insulin. You you have this. You know what I mean? You just manage it. You'll have peaks. You'll have things that, okay, there'll be periods. But you learn to manage it, and your life can be very fulfilling, and you can learn to work with these things rather than having to say, well, this is a clear period where this thing ended. No, living without a father is a, an extreme break. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's not natural. It's a permanent okay. mark. It's a permanent thing. It's not natural. You should have, you know, when I look at me and my sisters and I go, we're such good kids. We should have had, you know, we're such cool kids too. Like, not to say that losers don't, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you're such a great kid cool that you're so, a, you know, yeah. that it's going to be, that you didn't have a father who, who loved you the way you should have been loved, which is what should, uh, well, their whole job is to love you. And if that doesn't happen, it doesn't mean he didn't. I think he does love. Just couldn't do it in the way that, you know, that we needed. He was, you know, his own demons and whatever. But it's it's not something you have to get over. You don't need that pressure. You never have to get over it. You do have to learn to manage it. So it's not, I don't think about it daily. But when I do think about it, I let myself think about it. You know, I does it come up? It does come up, you know. Um, it, it's something that affects your your life forever. And it gets easier to manage things the more experience you have with it, but you don't have to get to this finish line or anything like that. Yeah, that that makes me think about because a good friend of mine died about a year and a half. I guess it's terrible. Yeah, um, and I never had someone who I knew who's my age die like brutal and so suddenly. 
and I was thinking about just the grief process and stuff. I, I've never experienced that as an right. adult. And it was so strange to me. Like, like this feels so weird. Like, grieving felt so... A good friend of mine lost both of his parents, pr- not at the same time, but, but you know, close to each other. And it was pretty... He was like, what, 30-something when his parents died. And Awful. he told me he listened to some some podcast or something about how they're saying that grief makes you feel crazy. Like it makes you feel like, am I going insane? And a bunch of times, it was even like a few months afterwards, I felt so just like, what the fuck? I feel like I'm going crazy. And I always think about, oh, he said that. And that's the, grief is like this, grief's the most interesting thing to me now. But what I, what I settled, sort of settled on at some point was, um, cause I was, I kept thinking about him my friend who died was Trevor. He, he died. It was like Christmas and he died in August. And I was thinking about him like 12 times a day, just thinking about him. like, why the fuck am I just thinking about him all the time? And I sort of realized that like the idea of grief or anything that happens to you isn't a, something you get over. It's something that you just learn to live with. Like exactly, exactly what you're saying with diabetes, where it's like if you have a, a TV that has a scratch in it, yeah. you can't repair it. You just kind of learn to watch TV with the yeah. scratch in it, and, and you eventually stop. You don't see, you don't it, see it anymore. But it's yeah. never not. But someone who walks in is gonna be like, "Oh my God, there's a big scratch in that TV," and you'd be like, "They have no experience oh, yeah. managing that and yeah. living with that." And so it freaks them out. And I, in a weird way, I, I really feel like the having to deal with that grief has been like the most, um, like such a teaching experience for oh, me yeah. that I, I I'm grateful for it in a sense. Yeah, you're a th- you're a, you're a deeper person from you can r- empathize with people more yeah. plus like anybody who you know small examples but anybody who's like you know sometimes a I don't know a couple cheats or whatever they look at the other woman she's a whore. Yeah. If you've ever been the wom- other woman, you might not look at her that way. You might empathize that she was in, you know, just right. same with you. If somebody hurts, you can hurt in that same way. You can feel it. I think life feels somewhat you know, if we were, if it was a video game, I think every level gives you another thing to deal with. Right. And you get to be a better, when you've beat the game, like when you ever run into old, like you run into some really chill old people. Uh huh. They've just beat, like they have been, name a thing, lost this. Yeah, they're money. masters. They're masters. Like they have experience dealing with all the levels. They're mm-hmm. in the highest level of life now. So, they're just, they have that knowledge. It takes like a whole life. I always feel like it takes a life to know a life. Like I'm going to need every year. I have. If I go to 120, God willing, believe me, I needed all 120 years to figure out my life. Yeah. It takes a life to figure out a life. You need the time that you're get. like, I need every minute. It's like that old saying, uh, youth is lost on the young. Yeah. But I also think about how that is, that's the whole point. Yeah. And then the you whole get point back to is it. they don't. The whole yeah, point is yeah. you're wasting your youth, but the whole point of youth is to waste it because yeah. you can. Yeah, because you can. Yeah, and then you, you get it. full circle. If you get to be old, mm-hmm. then you get to just be almost youthful again. And in every facet, psychologically, you get to care less about things. Right. Because you're old. When do you think You don't that? have to care. When is and, that, you And think? then you're also in diapers and everything else. But it's like, yeah, you don't care if you shit your pants. Like, Nothing, you know, it's almost like the full circle works both physically and spiritually. You start yeah. to have to care less about what happens tomorrow. That's interesting. And it's definitely, it's not like a day. It's like a cycle because you get older slowly. Slowly. You're going through the levels and the levels somehow get easier. Even though they're technically harder, you've just become a better player. Mm-hmm. 
So it's like you can't throw a young person, you can't throw a 20-year-old into a seven-year-old's life with, with, with they got to get medications, they have a knee replacement, they, they have a more, they have, you know, they have to go uh, get their social security. No, forget it. They don't have the, the, the admin work alone would bury them. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> That's why all those like uh, super sick kids always seem so wise because they're just, they're so, um, mm-hmm. they've been through so much shit. They're just kind of, yeah. Yeah, they have another thing. They get to be, if they survive it, they get to be superheroes living mm-hmm. through life. They they were now given a button. Like they got one of those coins early in a level. They caught it. Yeah. They dealt with it. And now they get to bring that with them to the future levels. Like you go to a restaurant, the order's wrong. Like, That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, this is actually totally not what I ordered, but um, it's fine. I like this. It's fine. I, like I have to fries. pee. Can I pee and come back? Yeah, you can. Okay. I'll just pause it. Or you can keep it going. I'll keep it going. I'll do a, I'll do a soliloquy. Yeah. This is my sol- you got straight back. There's a light switch on the right. You can hit it okay, to turn on to see better. Yes. I didn't let it roll. I st- I paused it. I had to close this door. We going again? We're going again. We're back Look in. Look at that. Look at the professional. We're back in. Renewed. Look at this. We talked about heavy shit. Now we're back in light. We're back in light. Back in light. Chill. We get cool. heavy. We we were able to right away get there. I, I always do that. Yeah. I, yeah. With you especially. Yeah. I find we can right away. It's really nice. You know, some people can't at all talk about that shit. They just like. What happens? You they think? have like, they're just closed off to anything. A lot of comedians, I think, are so, they're so fucking, um, what's the word? Not neurotic, but like so like encumbered by stuff that they, if they do something that's not funny, they get really, really insecure. Oh, really? Like, but you know what? We're not like one-liner zingers. I'm not like yeah. ba 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 Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I feel like how you just talk, you're naturally I think part of being funny is also being not funny. It's also like, right. it's just being authentic. You know, it's just being like, say what you want. When the funny comes, it comes. You don't need to force anything. Because you are funny. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't, I almost look at my content sometimes and I go, nah, I don't know. And I go out and people are laughing. It's like, apparently if I'm thinking it, it's, you know, totally. it's got something. It took me so long to realize that. I think I realized that like maybe last year that, yeah. oh, if I'm thinking, of, if I think something's funny, and I present it in like an authentic way. It will be funny. Yeah. And, and the thing is, you know, I was writing, I, I did this project, some, you know, they asked me, a PBS kids thing asked me if I would help develop a project that they could sell. And they know how to get me because one of my first jobs was a PBS kids. PBS kids sounds awesome. I want to do PBS awesome. kids. Uh, but, you know, it's like HBO without money. There's three people working out of Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and so they always know how to get me because I like making programming for poor kids. You know, and not things that sell toys and whatever. For instance, I worked, you know, the first job I had ended up being the most, like, the biggest kids show um, in the world, in in America and in the world. What show? It's called Odd Squad. And one of the things about the show is we were really, really successful, um, you know, and and when shows get successful, they get movie deals. And we had a movie deal come our way from AMC. I think the distribution was, like, you know, something like 200 to 500 theaters across America, which is like a normal distribution yeah. for a big release. Um, and that movie deal alone would have paid for another two seasons of the show. 
And this is when I was really just starting out as a writer when I was back in kids, which now I work in grown up, which I would only differentiate that I work in grown up if you started in kids. Most mm-hmm. people don't. But we got this big movie deal that would pay for future seasons. And PBS was like, no, we're not going to take it. Why? Instead, because we, we don't take corporate money. We don't want to sell commercial. We don't oh. want to sell things to kids. We speci- and the biggest thing is we don't make kids pay for anything. Okay. So what we'll do instead is we'll make the movie still, but we can only afford to pay ourselves to release it two weeks around uh, among uh, in half the amount of theaters, mm-hmm. so maybe 250 theaters for two weeks, which a, a normal release is about six weeks to eight weeks. Yeah. And it'll be free. Wow. Every kid from whatever can come with their parents. Everybody is free and everybody gets a drink and a popcorn. And we had lines. We were in theaters in these neighborhoods. Lines around. It was free. I didn't know about and this. And they just enjoyed. They just did two weeks. They did what we could afford. Mm-hmm. They said, we'll still do the movie. But not a kid is not going to be able to see the movie because it's $30 with drinks and whatever. No. This is Everybody real altruism goes right yeah. here. PBS really, they Damn. put their money where their mouth is, like for real. So they get me sometimes. In the pandemic, they said, you know, a lot of these kids are home. Yeah. I go, oh, for Get it. Okay, so uh, I go, fine. I'll do the call. I can't. I'm working on my own shows and stuff is going. I can help you develop, get something off the ground, and then you'll have to just sell it, and I can't show run or, or do any of those things. You've show run before? No, but they were they were in a kid's space. They were always trying to get me like, hey, could you? And I'm like, no. I could maybe write you a pilot because it's like <laughs> 11 minutes, Yeah. and that's it. So that's what I did for them. So I get on this call, and it's me. There's a guy on it from like who like, Literally was like the head writer of Arthur, like coolest guy, amazing, okay? Brilliantly funny. Brilliantly. He's like in his 60s, still the funniest guy, just unbelievable, okay? Uh-huh. Arthur is just such an iconic show. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's that guy, there's me on the call, there's like two other writers, and we're just, it's so funny, and we're coming up with this thing. But also on the call, when you work in the kids' space, are educational advisors. Oh, yeah. And, the psychologists. Know, the psychologists, yeah, and things you can't, you know, because we're popping off and they're going to go, you know, hold yeah. they're supposed to tell us like, actually that's not mathematically like we don't know math. You know, if you were teaching math, I'm like, I don't know. And then we could teach they're like, well, that's actually, you know what they're teaching in school, whatever. So they're there to kind of like, let us know the educational parts. Right. Like we're there for the story and the comedy. And then they're supposed to be like, Oh, you made a story about a scavenger hunt, you know, you, uh, which actually is the, forget that. Okay. You made a story about, you know, this, uh, kid loses his stuffed animal the first day of school and Mm. it's you know obviously calamity okay and then the whole story is about them trying to find the stuffy which the story i had okay um and they're supposed to say you know what we can teach with that we can teach probability or we can teach something like that and we try and get some lesson in okay but then at some point one of the educational advisors decide so all these educational advisors they go to harvard Oh, they have like PhD by their name, like Stanford, like you name is Brown, you know, all these schools yeah. that you only ever like, and, and they're there, you know, and you're like in jeans and a tee, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go, well, what if you did a, uh, what if you did, you know, a story about like, uh, you know, football or what did you, what if you did like, you know, what if the, the kids had to. You know, and I'm like, what? Like the most like not story, like no heart in the story. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I'm like, why is she? I would never give an educational note, like, you know. Right. Like, but they think these people all decide to talk over us a lot because they feel like they have all the, we have no letters near our names. Yeah. We're just like, I'm like Robbie Hoffman in the room. This guy from Arthur is just him, even though he literally is a, you know. Right. Has daytime Emmys. I have a daytime Emmy from this show. So I decide to go. I'm like. You know, with all due respect, I know you guys all have PhDs and masters and all this. You're speaking to PhD level <laughs> kids comedy writers, right? Like I have to tell you, like yeah. he did Arthur for twenty. One of the greatest. I have a daytime Emmy from an, like not to flex, but just because we don't have the letters near our names mm-hmm. doesn't mean we're not at the PhD level, right? Of what we do, and it's just it's one of those things that is just not recognized. Like Not at we've all. made these systems to like value people differently. And I hate to have to be the person to like, and I didn't do it like that in the meeting. I was really talking after I'm like, she's talking to us about a football episode. <laughs> like we're trying to get to the depths of these characters and make them yeah. real, real characters. And it's like, what if they played football? It's like, okay. And what? Like, you know, sure. But what, like, it's just, it's, just wild that we've created these contracts that value people at higher or lower than other people Mm -hmm. and people flex on that so had she not flexed first i would not have had to let her know what's going on but it's like we're all the same like we're all an expert in something that we do to some extent i don't know yeah i feel like that uh i feel like the way i used to feel that way about music a lot and i was always pissed that people could have opinions about music I'm like, you know, you just haven't listened to nearly as much music as I have. So your opinion, even though you think it's just an opinion, you're actually wrong about liking that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and by the way, like, not to not say good. that this girl uh, wasn't able to have an opinion or pitch in. Oh, of course. But she was trying to bring down her ideas by making her ideas. Like if she was just contributing, I love that. I love from anybody an idea to anything. But don't tell us our ideas couldn't work and then you pitch something that isn't even... You know what I mean? Is is just to naysay without a solution. Um, so it's not to say that ideas don't come at me like, oh well, she no, she's there for her thing. We don't tell her her shit, and she, you know what I mean. And if her shit was fine, if it wasn't bringing us down, fine. I think yeah. there's space for both of them. But they gotta speak up because they don't have anything else to do. So it's like they want to speak up, or they want to be like fake creative, like people who wanted to be creative but they didn't do the thing. There's so so much of that though. That's just like that's everywhere. Yeah, I think. I mean, I haven't experienced as much of this stuff as you have at all. But there's always stuff. A good friend of mine, who's a writer, he always puts something in there that he knows is gonna get noted as like a, as like (laughs) a red herring. So it's like giving someone, it's like giving a dog something to be, to stay busy with so it doesn't bother you. Wow. That's It's like robbing a a house and throwing a fucking steak to the dog so they don't bark at you while you're stealing the jewels. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good plan. Or he'll put it in there for S&P, for standards and practices. He'll put something really glaring in there so they can hook onto that and he can go, he fights for it. He's like, really? Do we have to lose that? I mean, but, you know, and they're like, and he he, he he gives it up. Like, okay. But not without a fight, and that keeps the thing that's more subversive in there. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I got to use that. I got to steal that. Steal it. I got to steal that. Steal it. Let's see how I feel. Steal Shout that. out to your friend. Yeah. Steal the strategy. That's a great strategy. We also, on this cartoon I worked on, S&P for Disney was crazy. They, oh, yeah. If you look up on Urban Dictionary for anything we said, so we ended up making up fake words. It's and crazy. some of the fake words we made up ended up sounding way worse way than worse. anything that was that was actually 
Way like we worse. said guzzlers a lot. Yeah, well, I would, guzzlers. I would, this is co- I would yeah. call people guzzlers all the time. Come guzzlers. That's but not going to hold up. It did. Well, guzzlers is no, but all no, through the episodes. Kid, the kids get to 13 and they're like, oh my guzzlers. God. Guzzlers. Well, that cartoon so also funny. got banned in a bunch of countries. Like oh different my. episodes did. That it's was wild. Yeah. Uh, I think we did this. I think we did. I think we... Uh, we, we always sp- get to it. It's such a pleasure. Get down we to should it. make this more regular. I think we should. I know that like you want to do like if you did a video podcast, you'd want to do it with somebody. Short of that, have me on more regularly, and and that's what we can do. Who should I do it with? Who should no, it be? You're mine? not. I don't know. You'll do okay. it with someone, but off but mic. This is nice. Should we call it off mic? Off mic. Yeah, we just get together. What I'm saying is, I just want to get together more. I agree. Yeah. Robin Hoffman. Thank you. Peace.